Hearts. Welcome to the Normalizing Average Podcast. Join us as we dive into the stories behind the people who have overcome setbacks to achieve success, celebrating the average moments on the path to extraordinary results. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Eve Duke with the Normalizing Average Podcast, and I'm here with Marty Schaefer. He is the founder and the energy behind Kapow, a guiding backcountry education company and heli access chalet, blanket chalet, located in the Monashi Mountains. He may be, and I can attest to this personally, the most stoked individual you will ever be. <laughs> Stoke is contagious, which you'll soon find out, and he'll probably bring out the best in you. Organizing his whole life around fun, it's always been Marty's vision to bring together industry professionals and the recreational enthusiasts for an approachable educational time in the mountains. It is no small feat to say that Marty knows a lot about the backcountry. And Marty, welcome. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for coming on. I'm and... so honored to be a part of this, Eve. Thank you. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get into it. So tell us about, you run Kapow. I run Kapow. Kapow is... Kapow is short for Canadian Powder Guides. Um, I'm excited for this podcast because I think typically I talk about avalanche education. I talk about me as like an athlete, as a skier, but I am honored to be talking maybe as an entrepreneur. I haven't really got that title too much. So maybe this is it. This is the first first official. I am an entrepreneur. So <laughs> thanks for giving me that. A big, a big one. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's talk business. I'd love so to kind of like, yeah. <laughs> and it's been hard. It's been... Um, this is the 10th year. So quite excited that it's been going for that long. I, um, I started Kapow, I guess, yeah, 2012 with this vision of creating a guiding company that was more approachable, a little different than it's typically been out there. I never enjoyed the traditional style, which is, you know, I hate, hate to throw Europeans under the bus, but that's kind of the old style of guiding where it's been guides lead, clients follow. Um, I, you know, it kind of comes back to when I was a little Grom, uh, my father was a ski guide. So I kind of grew up in the industry and, um, I actually, even though I was in it, I had a hard time finding mentorship growing mm -hmm. up. It was a, it was like a hard time to find people to look up to. So a bunch of us idiots, like, you know, I, I'm going to use Chris Rubens probably a few times in this podcast, but I remember him and I exploring the Rockies, um, thinking back on it, surprised we didn't get caught in more avalanches. But I remember being really hungry for that mentorship. So fast forward a few years, starting a guiding company once I was certified as an ACMG, Association of Canadian Mountain Guides um, cert. I uh, yeah started this company and um, it's just been growing in the greatest ways. I love thinking back in the last 10 years, the highs and lows of, of creating business. And it's like, it's so great that I put that time in because now I'm just like really enjoying where the, uh, the size of the company's at. Yeah. Yeah. I checked it out. You have a pretty sizable team. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. It's like the team is the whole core of the, the business. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, you know, I, I think early on, I decided to separate my personal name from the guiding company. That's what a lot of guides in Revelstoke and uh, would do is they would, you know, they'd come up with a guiding name, but you know, it's actually based really around them guiding um, early on, I was like, separate myself out, get the guiding team. Like the team is, is like, 
Um, actually, Katie Burrell, when we first started building the business, we thought it'd be funny instead of business cards, it was like baseball cards. So each guide would be like a baseball card. And as a client, you want to collect every single baseball card. And each guide would bring something different. There'd be like the Aaron Chance would be the split board guide. And then you'd go out with like uh, Troy Leahy, the, the legendary <laughs> long timer, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and it's just like, you know, ultimately it started with hiring my friends. They were um, guides. And then eventually people like Andrew McNabb, uh, local Revelstoke legend eventually got into the guiding stream. And then um, I think we sort of forced him into it because all of his friends ended up getting the, the guiding cert. Um, that's what it is. These like the entire guiding team from guiding team, the chefs, caretakers, they're my closest friends. So it's, it's just been a great community. Yeah. And has that, have you had any challenge working with friends or mentoring friends or leading friends? I mean, it's been, I even think back to the beginning, it, it actually ended up being great. I was respected quite a bit, but uh, a lot of these guides that worked for me were my mentors. And I think of someone like Troy Leahy, who's now the, the head of guiding ops. I remember when he worked back at Sunshine, he was he was the guy that all of us Groms looked up to. He taught us a ton. Um, he was actually influential in me getting a job on the ski patrol before I was a certified guide at the mm -hmm. ski hill here in Revelstoke. Yeah. Um, it's been... I think it's come with a lot of mutual respect. So uh, obviously there's there's work environments that are tough, uh, but it's been great to work together with friends. It's just like a, you know, you kind of have a depth of uh, depth of knowing each other um, in the work environment. That's just, yeah, that you, you take years to build, but we've kind of started by being friends. So yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think that's key to what you said about mutual respect is gonna be a huge one. Like even if they weren't your friends, that's such a big part of leadership that people miss is that it's, you have this possibly like boss, employee, employer, employee relationship, but the respect and the culture that you also build, which I think probably Kapow has, I wouldn't even need to guess, would have su probably such a strong and an amazing workplace culture as much as it feels, it doesn't seem like a workplace because it's like you're guiding, you're in the backcountry, you're a playing paint, you're doing these cool courses and yeah. Um, is there anybody that or anything that you've done that you've had to keep people like keep that culture up or keep that stoke up? Do you find there's highs and lows like throughout the season? Do they get burnt out? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think in general, um, just especially with the way the workforce is going right now, it's, mm -hmm. it's you know, having employees is really difficult. Um, and I don't think just, I'm sure most employees would be like, well, you just pay us more, Marty, and yeah. we'll stick around. Well, but I don't think <laughs> I, yeah, I don't truly believe it's like, you know, we know this, it's just paying more is not the answer. And so a big goal for me is kind of two things is I'm trying to create unique experiences for the guides. So, um, I've always pitched it to the, the guiding team that Kapow can be the platform to get the guiding you've always wanted. So, you know, that's been like everything from tent-based trips to trips based out of town. And then obviously the Blanket Glacier Chalet, which is, if no one knows what that is, it's a short helicopter flight southwest of Revelstoke um, at a lodge that my parents started when I was born, which I've actually taken over. But for the guiding team, I'm trying to create these unique locations that they wouldn't get on their own. And then the second part of it is very much find the clients. And I think that's a big part that's that stands out is we get a different type of client than you would get in a normal, let's say, a heli ski company or you know an old school backcountry lodge. 
Um, it is uh, younger and young doesn't have to be an actual age. It's sort of like young at heart and a client that's really keen to learn and progress their skills. And what ends up happening is this like, it's kind of where I started the business where I knew these guides wanted these clients that they could actually take into the fun terrain they've always wanted to guide. And then these clients always wanted these guides that they could trust to have a reliable experience, whether that's rappelling into a couloir or just having a ton of fun in the backcountry. Yeah. I think it started off like early on, I very much advertised your free ride camps. We're going to take you into the rad terrain. But as business grew, I realized it's like, no, you don't have to advertise the terrain. You just have to advertise that it's fun. And that's going to be the reliable experience. We're going to go based on conditions where it's the best and um, learn along the way. So it's kind of like setting the guides up for success to I say that a lot. Katie Burrell is going to make fun of me of that one. We're going to set you up for success. We have that in all, all these posters, but it really is. These guides will set clients up for success so they can make decisions on their own in the future and um, yeah, keep coming back. So did you guys, did you, was that part of your vision from the start when you took over Blanket or when you started Kapow was both this culture, but also the market and the demographic that you were reaching? Did you know that you wanted to focus on, okay, this is going to be an enjoyable experience in the backcountry, but it's also for people who want to have fun, who want to have a good time, um, who are, like you said, young at heart. Or did you start with kind of going after everybody? It's like, okay, we're gonna just do it and see who we get. Like how, <laughs> no, you, how long you did nailed it. It was yeah. it was definitely like there was a target demographic. And I so I always saw there's like there's a piece of this guiding pie that hasn't been created yet that we have to that we have to go after. And that's the like experienced, you know, skier, maybe not tons of experience in the backcountry, but someone that's, you know, dialed under their, well, ski or snowboard, dialed at mountain movement in the resort. And then you can transfer that into the backcountry. Mm-hmm. But what's funny on the first couple camps we did, uh, Chris Rubens helped me start with another guide out of the Rockies, Kevin Hirtas. We started, I think we first, the first camps were called the Shredstitute by Kapow Guiding, <laughs> but it was based out of Rogers Pass and it was very like free ride oriented, but it was funny putting this together because we were like, we're going to give everything we know on a weekend and so the business model was like come out for the weekend and you're going to learn everything that we know and what we found is we clearly can't um you can't learn everything about backcountry skiing in one weekend (laughs) as much as we want to like um pour it out there but we were we were quite surprised we we kind of thought people would come for the weekend and then the success in the business would be People would learn a lot, they'd tell their friends, and then we'd kind of build the business model out from the friends. But what we've actually learned through the educational model was the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, and you more realize, we realize that this whole educational backcountry thing is like, the curriculum is endless. And so when we thought it was just going to be, you know, we get clients for one weekend, it actually turned out to be a lifetime of clients. Um, Whether, you know, like, there's always something to learn, but I think what clients have really seen is um, you just maximize your time. Like if you only have uh, a weekend or four days, um, people are busy working. They want to come, they want to learn, but they also want to get the best pow and, and coming with a guide is, is a big part to that. Yeah. Um, but the second part, almost to continue from your question from the blanket standpoint is Kapow is definitely built around this concept of a guiding business based at a Revelstoke and being Canadian wide. Um, the blanket came into to view where here we were traveling to Rogers Pass uh, early season and then ski touring up the valley 
to get the best possible snow at higher elevations. And I remember, you know, thinking with Chris, I'm like, God, you know, I wish there was just some way that we could start high and end high at the end of the day. <laughs> Meanwhile, the blanket chalet was sitting empty in the off seasons. So we just quickly figured out there was an opportunity um, with my family's business to extend the season. So that's actually how it started. My parents had clients in the prime time, um, mostly telemark skiers, uh, call them granola munchers, where they would rent the chalet. So you'd get it for the week, you fly in on a Saturday, fly out on a Saturday, um, you're self-guided, self-catered, um, just had the place to yourself. And then those clients have been coming forever. That was prime time. And then Chris and I started these trips from December into beginning of January and then into the spring where there are four days guided catered. Um, we really wanted to offer the catered part because we just, um, we really just wanted to maximize the day. And we kind of broke down the price. And it's like, if we have 14 guests splitting the cost of a chef and the food, when you break it down, it's actually not that much more expensive mm -hmm. um, to have a chef along. So that, you know, slowly what happened there was, you know, my parents were going to come up, they were going to retire at some point. So we actually just like slowly uh, kind of like brought in the gap of like, the, you know, the, my parents' clients were like dying off <laughs> kind of literally, but um, eventually and it wasn't, it was about five years ago where we actually ran the full business as um, guided catered. Um, what we also did is ran shorter trips because, uh, you know, we can also, we could keep the price tag lower, but it was also, you know, our demographic, a working professional has a hard time taking seven days off. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, kind of brings us up to where we are now. We are very much Revelstoke based Rogers Pass. Um, this year, we're gonna do a lot more off the ski hill. And then a big part of what we're doing is obviously uh, at the Blanket Chalet. So there's 43, four and five day trips from middle of November to May 1st at the Blanket Chalet. So that's like, yeah, that's a ton. 14 people every four or five days. Um, and then the guiding team, as you mentioned earlier, it's like, we've got like 30 people on staff. We've got four or five amazing chefs. We've got custodians that are total shredders, about five of them. And then a big part of the guiding team as well. Yeah, this is huge. So is that what you envisioned when you started? Totally. I mean, isn't it amazing <laughs> where you hear... Like you hear this about like, if you believe it, it can come true. It's like, it's as simple as it is. If you actually have a vision, it's, it happens. And um, I was actually thinking about it before coming on this podcast about uh, kind of the biggest gift that my parents gave me is, is um, there's a perception that, that my parents sort of handed me the keys to the blanket chalet and, and let me sort of take over. But it's, it's been very much building towards it. It's been a hard um, it's been hard, hard transitioning the business into the guided catered with the upgrades, um, you know, operating through COVID. But the biggest gift I think my parents gave me was just this work ethic. Like it was hard to take over. It was hard to run a business. Um, and I just like, I think back to when I was a uh, ski touring up by myself in like early teens, like this is the Kapow business model is exactly what I had visioned. I might've not been able to communicate it, but it has gone completely in the direction that I thought it's been, a it's been a dream come true and um, so much snow. I mean, I'm, I just got married last weekend to a guest that came up with a blanket. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah, on so many different levels, uh, Kapow has been a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about the business and the business startup because it is like, I can appreciate that it's 
it's a whole new business model. It isn't like you just took over this thing that your parents have been running. It's new clients. It's a completely different brand. It's a completely different product and service that you're offering as well. So it's basically, it's a location that you had available mm -hmm. that you were able to use. So yeah, tell us about kind of the startup and what you needed to do to get going. Oh, this is where, this is where we need to bring in Katie Burrell because <laughs> I certainly had a vision. I had certainly had this vision of, uh, you know, a guiding style and I was, I was able to communicate it where I was like, I remember communicating to Katie where I was like, okay, there's these, these guides that are just the best in the world. And there's these clients that want to come to the best in the world. And like, Kapow can be the glue. And I remember her looking at me, she's like, this is something, this is something unique. This is so Katie is very much the TSN turning point, um, <laughs> the, uh, the business. It was like, I will always give her credit to like, you know, she believed in it so much that that just like fueled the fire for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and for anyone that hasn't like you, you interviewed Katie earlier, but Katie, it's been so cool. Like, I'm sure Eve, you watching as a friend, it's like, I think we've believed in her as a comedian and just watching her success over the last couple of years has been awesome. Yeah. Um, but that goes to show like our brand identity was very much um, attributed to Katie's uh Katie and I just having a ton of fun. Like you can see some of the early, early camps, um, how to be a young person that older people respect, obviously our youth trips, um, camps like uh, the ski mountaineering where you, know, you obviously learn rope, rope skills. That's how to hook up with your friends. We just had a ton of fun with it. And that also just set like, you know, there's words on their website was like, if you don't think this is funny, then you're not our target demographic. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. setting the tone and the marketing totally. up front. Yeah. And, you know, especially now it's not, it's, you know, the harder thing that I have, the, the business struggle I have now is certainly not finding clients. It's, it's making sure that we have, uh, you know, got our, our team. Um, and so early on though, that really kind of like streamlined, like you land on the website. If you didn't think it was funny, then you just move on. Um, so we've certainly developed a that's been the core of our business. I think it's just really establishing like a gateway <laughs> as a client. This is where you're coming in. Um, but yeah, building, you know, building things up was, uh, was, was slow and in, and in the best way possible. So, you know, we ran camps all over the place from the Rockies. We did a couple of things on the coast, but mostly at a Revelstoke. Um, and then over the years, we've actually like, we had this sort of big window, like we're going to do everything. And then you know, over time, and this is, we'll probably talk about COVID at some point, but COVID was very much like, okay, focus on the core business model. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to run it as a successful business. And so it's kept it fun, but we've also kind of streamlined what we do um, as a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did the business model change over time from the start? It's been the same. You know, it's been very much this like educational piece, um, but uh, I think it's like we are streamlining. I think there was a lot of inside jokes for a long time. And those inside jokes were even like, is this a camp? Is this thing I can sign up for? Is this a swingers week? Like how to hook up? <laughs> so I think we're doing a better job at like, this is what we offer. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so, let's be clear. <laughs> yeah, but the business model, I mean, the core model has remained the same. It's uh, having a ton of fun. Um, we, I, I wanted to call guides like backcountry mentors and I've always hated the word client. Um, mm -hmm. I still haven't found a good word for that, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the core business model has, has stayed the same. Mm -hmm. And do you find customers come, is it like 50, 50, are they there to, to ride the train and to really do the outdoor thing? Or are they also 
how much, I guess, what percentage of them are there for the education piece? I think they're coming to ride. And then the educational piece is just, um, it kind of depends. So we do have Avalanche, like a component of the website is Avalanche Education. And what kind of separates us from other providers is we really focus on that sort of the higher level. So I'm going to focus on that actually. So what happens with um, Avalanche Education? You can take your AST1 and AST2, which is the um, Avalanche Canada set curriculum. Uh, for avalanche skills training. And then after you've done your AST2, which is like a three or four day uh, course, um, there's not really anything left for the recreationalists. So what a lot of times um, someone will do for further education is they'll take the professional level course, which is the avalanche operations level one. And so we're finding like, once you're done your AST2, like what is it that's sort of next? And uh, we actually originally called it the mega blast. So what we did is, We wanted to add our own flair to AST 1 and 2, just sort of like a smaller group, higher level. We called a BLAST, Backcountry Learning with Avalanche Skills Training. So curriculum being primarily in the field. And then the Mega BLAST was the mountain education geared for advanced backcountry learning with Avalanche Skills Training. A little bit of a mouthful. So we've changed that in just the AVI Pro. So we focused on our BLAST 2 and our AVI Pro is is very field focused. So very much giving the tools to make decisions in the big complex mountains. Um, and you'll, uh, you'll see on like, for us, approachable price tag has always been key, but you'll actually find that we've got the most expensive AST2 out there. Cause it's like, it costs to go small group and uh, bigger terrain. And I think we're a little bit longer as well. Mm-hmm. So the blast two and Avi pro is very much like you sign up as a client, you know, you're going for that. And what we've actually created for the Avi pro is we've got this book. So we've taken, you know, everything we you learn from an AST2, curriculum and, and book um, this we've actually called it the the Abby pro because it's the process of decision making so it's very much this like learning this systematic approach to decisions um, and how to stimulate the conversation and essentially like the Abby pros how to be a leader in the recreational backcountry context so it's kind of like it's the whole day like gathering the weather information in the morning you know driving out uh, having those conversations and then building up for the decision and like how to stimulate the conversation. You very much learn that it's not as black and white as it's like it's on or it's not on. Yeah. It's the whole idea is just stimulating the convo. So that is very much like as a client, you're coming for the education. But let's say you come to the blanket chalet. What we have is we've got this big chalkboard. So uh, seven o'clock every morning while we're having breakfast, we use that same platform for the Abbey Pro and we actually like we break it down. Like this is this is the over, like, this is what's happened last few days this is the overnight changes, this is recent avalanche activity. This is the avalanche forecast. And then uh, kind of build up to like, okay, here's the problems. And then based on all that information, this is where we're thinking of going to for the day. Yeah. And what's cool with that is <clears throat> the way the avalanche bulletin is set up is you get your danger rating up front and then you kind of take it from there. But we actually flip it around. The danger rating is just a summary of it. So the whole like Joe Lambers has the best analogy for this. So if you're like a boxer going into the ring and your coach is like setting you up for success and your coach is like, okay, you know, your opponent has considerable hazard. You dive into the ring and you get, you know, you find out the characteristics the hard way. You get like smacked on the side, <laughs> upper jab. But if you're given the characteristics before you go into the ring, you know what you're up against. You know how to... Um, to dive into it. And I think about that so much with the backcountry. So instead of just saying that the backcountry has considerable hazard, truly what you need is those characteristics. Yeah. And um, 
how this works really well. So as a client, you know, a client has a certain expectation that they're going to learn, but also I think more than that, it's more like the client wants to know what the conditions are like. So um, you kind of set them up for success for the day. What's really cool with this from a guiding context is if you communicate to your clients that like the danger rating is high based on these characteristics, when you're ski touring up and you're looking at the bottom of a big face, the face you see in the movies that like, as a client, you're like, I can shred that. I came to totally shred this. It's kind of cool to be, you know, give the information before you go out the door. It eliminates this sort of pressure that a guide would get to deliver on terrain. Yeah. And it's so cool because the client's just like, yeah, obviously we're not going to go ski that face. The guide doesn't have to say it because based on the characteristics you talked about in the morning, let's not go there. And so yeah. that has been a cool byproduct um, for the training and setting guides up for success because uh, I think an, I think another reason why guides uh, work for Kapow is uh, you know you see it you see it in the heli ski world where the client might not be coming with as much experience they're coming just to ski pow and they don't understand why you can't go ski that big line be on the day that they've paid to go heli skiing yeah. it's really cool to eliminate that pressure um, and I also think it comes with so much more fulfillment so when you can guide a client to the top of a mountain through all these different snowpack characteristics and terrain the high is so much higher, knowing how much went into the day um, from, you know, learning along the whole way. So to summarize that, <laughs> every trip is educational and it's kind of a positive. It's a, it sets the guides up for success, sets the clients up for success. And that is kind of our, our guiding identity at this point. So that's, yeah. yeah, the core of the business. What a cool way to deliver an experience. And that is like, we've done, I've done heli skiing and I've done my AST and it is like exactly what you said, there's the recreate and we're very recreational, but then it's like, once you get past the one and two, you're like, okay, now what? Like, I'm not going to go be a pro. Yeah. I'm going to go get my guiding certification. Like, I guess that's it. I'll just try to put into practice what I've learned kind of on my own and with my friends and my group, but to be able to have that, put it into practice and then take it to the next level with the programs that you've created and then have this really cool involved and truly collaborative experience with your guests. That's like, hey, we're all in this together for one. Like we're all going out together. Let's talk about and really mm -hmm. understand because the educational um, benefit to being able to really go through and work it backwards, what you've done is it's like, okay, oh, danger, great. What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And be yeah. able to work it backwards of why, for the why first, so that they can make their own decisions. That's a, an educational experience that they'll take with them for the rest of their lives. Because it's so, and so hands-on and then be able to take that directly into the backcountry that day and help make decisions independently. I think that's what's so cool is people learn how to do it on their own, right? Like yeah. you learn through, and this comes back to why I believe in starting this company is like, we wanted this backcountry mentor. Like I really wanted it. So yeah. when you come on any trip, you learn how a guide communicates and works through the, the terrain. And then you kind of do that on your own. But what's so cool with this Eve is just watching where the industry is going. Like, I definitely think, you know, I obviously, I believe Kapow helps create a guiding culture, but generally speaking, I just love where the industry is going. Everything that Avalanche Canada has done, you can see it in the media now, like backcountry ski touring is, is the hot topic. And it's definitely like, I find them at the right place, right time because my dad laughs at that too. He spent years trying to fill the blanket chalet. Like you wouldn't get, here we are in August now, 
you wouldn't get bookings until October. You didn't know what your you know higher season was going to go. Mm-hmm. But now we've got an endless waiting list to come in on these camps, and so it's it's just like we're kind of like funneling the right clients to get to get in. Um, but you see everywhere in media, from powder magazines to uh, ski films, it's like backcountry is a hot topic. And so luckily, you know, it's pretty cool to have a guiding company where we've got guides that are recognizable, whether they're like athletes or athletes turn guides. Um, and then just, yeah, the fact that we can advertise, it's like, we're going to go shredding and then you're going to learn along the way. So yeah. it's uh, really stoked to be where it's at. And uh, I was actually going to say with Avalanche Canada, all the things that they're doing, like it's it's incredible to see the Avalanche Bulletin, how they give the characteristics. Um, I just love, I hate to compare, but I'm totally going to compare it. Everywhere else in the world, from the European model to, the, you know, Americans are trying to catch up, but Avalanche Canada is crushing it. I love everything they're doing with social media, how they have their bulletins, the weather model on Avalanche Canada. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really supporting this um, this movement to, you know, education for the recreationalist. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because we're we're in Revelstoke, so we're we're right in yeah. part of it. But I feel like education and backcountry education is cool. Like if yeah. you go out there and you don't know what you're doing and you're not prepared and you're you don't care about being prepared, you look like an idiot. You're not like the cool guy who's totally. like, whatever, man, it'll be fine. You know, it's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not like, having your avalanche gear is like the new smoking. You know, it's just like yeah. uncool. It's like I love like the punk kids are like building a booter out in uh, Slack Country, the ski hill, and it's like you see some someone new rolling through that don't have their gear, and the punk kids are like, "What do you think you're doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> Where's your avi gear?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. exactly. Like it's like you wouldn't dare do that yeah. in Revelstoke because it's just you look like you have no idea what you're doing. Like you don't belong. Totally. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and it's and I think it's people like you who are champions of that and pro- professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's snowboard and ski industry because I see that big time in the snowboard oh, yeah. industry, and it's so awesome to see. And people, yeah, just making the education component <laughs> cool, and it doesn't take much for you to learn why you need it. You know, it's like you get in a couple bad hairy situations, or pe- a lot of people around you have lost people, and it's like, mm-hmm. all right we're not messing around. This is a real real deal out here. Absolutely. And I think there's this general acceptance that it's not a black and white. You don't take your avalanche course and you have it figured out. Um, And it's just like, yeah, culturally it is built in the last 10 years. It's so cool. where like people will be calling each other out and not having their shit together on forums. Or there's just even like, there's even these nonprofits that's starting out to help with mentorship and um, even just the communication, like, you know, you see people on the skin track, someone's digging a pit and someone rolls up totally total stranger and being like, Hey, what do you see in there? What are you guys thinking? So it's just cool. It's the conversation that's, that's happening. And, um, I love where it's going and I'm excited to see, see things in the future. Yeah. Um, can I ask you about, uh, no, I can't, uh, this is a great platform for a question. Go for it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, this is more on the entrepreneur and business mm-hmm. operation side of things. For you, what skills have you developed along the way or resources do you find you have been critical, like mission critical to running Kapow? Oh, I mean, that's been quite evident the last couple of years. It's just, uh, you know, early on as an entrepreneur, you kind of do everything, right? Like you just, you do everything from the copywriting to all the emails to, um, I think the biggest success is just bringing on the team um surrounding myself with people that make me look good <laughs> that's really what it is. 
But that is certainly like it, it, the business had to grow to a certain size in order for that to happen. And so that has only been the last few years. And that's where I was saying earlier how much I'm just loving it. Just the more that I, like, there's a lot of things that I am terrible at. And like, take a look at even my social media, how bad I am at spelling, any copywriting, yeah. um, even just responding to emails. So it's been the biggest success. It's just developing the right, you know, team members for the right positions. And yeah, that has been, it, it just, it's amazing how fast things can grow once you go through that right? Like it's just all, if you can actually focus on growing the business and make sure it's on track and you know, the, the most important things are getting done in the back background. It's like, yeah, that changes everything. Was it hard for you as the team grew to let go of things? I think, I think anyone would say that's been hard. Um, there's been some things I've probably held on to too long, but I think generally that's one thing I strive on from a day-to-day -day basis. It's just like, you know, that might not be the best way I would have done it as employees working through something, but I'm like, I'm going to let them, <laughs> let them do that. Um, and it's funny because it's like, I think more often than not, I've learned a different way of doing things was actually more effective, but yes, super hard to let go of some things, <laughs> but you can't, you just cannot have your finger on everything. Um, yeah, it's just not, you, nothing's perfect. And so it's been hard to learn how to empower people through it all, but uh, I'm working hard on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the more that they can do that and do that role with autonomy, the mm -hmm. better they get at it. And ideally they should be better than you at that, at that particular Absolutely. role. Right. It's like, there's no, you can't be the best at everything. Yeah. I mean, it's how many successful entrepreneurs have you heard is like, you know, the best thing they could have done is remove themselves from like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I see it. The future of the, this business, the future success of this business is the more I can remove myself from <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> that's the ticket yeah and even like yeah Scott and I like talking about how it grows along the way and you, you start off as any entrepreneur does and has to basically doing everything mm -hmm. and then you go through did you find you go through these like kind of leaps and pushes that it's like okay I'm gonna push 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 grow it big enough now we can bring on another person mm -hmm. like even just financially it's like okay you got to bring a little bit more a little bit more mm -hmm. and now we can afford another guy okay, now yeah. we can afford another chef and it, it starts to stack and grow. And one thing I forget, I, I don't, maybe this is the book title, but I was listening to this really cool podcast that that's stuck. And it's been like the thing I've, I've really focused on the last year. It's the, you know, when you're, when you're trying to decide to do something, it's who, not how. So yeah. who can do it, not how to do it. And it is so true. Like I feel as a new entrepreneur, you always just figure like, how can I figure this out? How can I accomplish this? You end up late nights, trying to figure this thing out. But then if you can figure out who can do it, um, that is the key. But one thing I really want to hit on is uh, I think a big growth for us was through the pandemic. I think going yeah. into it, I was just like, I was looking at this impending doom. And I think there was definitely times where I'm like, is this going to be the end of the business? Yeah. But thinking back on it, that was probably the biggest um, step forward for us because it forced me into you know keeping staff on but it certainly forced us to get organized and um, removed myself, I think, in a big way from the day-to-day -day operations. And um, I think it all comes down, like, I actually think the government did a great job at those subsidies because I kept staff on, I was able to hire more staff, we kept rolling, and um, we just we grew as a team so much. Like we actually went from like, there's now, now there's actually staff that are year round on salary because there's like all these certain tasks that need to get done. Um, and that, you know, the, the wage subsidy certainly helped us with that. 
but um, how we grew as a team, just like it was hard for everyone and we had to navigate something every single day. Um, it sucked in the moment, but looking back on it, it was just a huge growth for us. And I'm like, so proud of everyone on the team. I love where we're at. And it's, uh, I think it's just set a foundation for us to grow. Just yeah. stoked. Yeah. <laughs> it sucked there for a bit, but stoked. <laughs> so let's talk about how, kind of how that transpired. So you have COVID hits. Mm -hmm. And for you, it would have been in the spring. So it's a springtime. So is that an off season for you? Or is that actually kind of like when your marketing's rolling out and people are signing up throughout the summer because you're prepping, prepping for winter? What? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was in the spring. We still had another two months left. Uh, it was really hard to like, we had to change the way we had like cancellation policies and all these sorts of things. Yeah. So we definitely had a lot. It was, it was a struggle to refund people. You know, we actually begged for everyone to like keep their money, in the business so we could like do it in the future. But then um, the problem with that is like, obviously for two years, Americans couldn't come. <laughs> so it's so, like all these clients that are like, we don't know where you're from. So yeah. we were forced into getting a really good client management system. Um, yeah. And yeah, just that management of clients was like a big piece to it. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, and then, oh, where was I going with that? Eve? What was your question? Oh, was it um, like just how stuff transpired once everything hit? Oh, yeah. And so it's because it's springtime and it's you still have two months left of your season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. luckily we didn't, yeah, I think that luckily we didn't have like a summer operation. So we were able to like, you know, kind of make a plan for guests, move it forward. And then once the fall hit, we had to like change that again. Cause it wasn't like Americans, you know, no one could travel. And it felt like that first operational year, um, we started up when there was another wave of COVID. So we start in November and then there was like a whole new round of, of, of restrictions. So COVID was hard for like, I think my personal reputation in Revelstoke. I think that pretty early on, a lot of uh, guides um, and just locals were blaming us for bringing COVID to town. Although we never ended up actually bringing any COVID, but it was like, I we were teaching. Here, but I never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was just, uh, and I am a sensitive person. So I definitely took a lot of those comments uh, to heart. For sure. But it was, um, you know, I never thought the problem was people coming from Calgary to take an avalanche course, like meeting at a, a parking lot and then um, going out. So we maintained a lot more avalanche education through that whole piece. The blanket was really small. We just had like, you know, uh, small families kind of come up. But uh, it was like, I actually realized after that how um, through the whole pandemic, how I thought I was, I thought my views were a little bit more social uh, with believe in socialism, but I definitely realized I'm more of a capitalist after that. Cause I was like, government, don't give me money. Just let me run my business. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to think of creative ways. Stop telling me how I need to fit in these certain boxes. Yeah. It's like, it kind of goes back to the analogy of the kind of off topic here, but um, I remember going through it. It's kind of like the analogy that we give for avalanche education. I wish the government gave us the characteristics of the virus, not like the danger is high and everything must be closed. So yes. it's like, give us the characteristics. Wow. And then as a business owner, I'm going to try to figure out how I want to evaluate my own risk and communicate that risk to clients. So it was actually kind of cool. This like Avi Pro framework that we've come up with is a great way that we've uh, applied to, you know, business decisions, investing, those kinds of things. And that was a big one coming through the pandemic. Uh, so what we did is like every single day, we had a different way of sort of navigating something. And I think I was pretty early on as a business thing, like we can stay open, 
uh, Avalanche Canada actually backed us up with like, you know, Avalanche education is considered essential travel. And I totally believe in that. Um, but what we did is like each, you know, each staff member had their own, um, their own, like they're working through something through the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but a big thing for me is because a lot of these um, businesses in town rely on overseas or like American travelers, uh, other, other country travelers, all of a sudden I had uh, such a great um, availability for staff. So that was the ability to grow. It was like clients wanted to take avalanche education, guides weren't working. So I was able to put them all to work. And we just wow. sort of took that growth and, and kept going. Wow. Oh, that's so awesome. And it really takes that kind of ability to adapt and push and push through it. Right. And also not have what I'm hearing too, is not really have be afraid to grow. Mm -hmm. Like we don't need to, we don't need to shut down. I don't need to fire everybody. I don't need to panic. Like let's work from, oh, I just love, that's going to be, that's a massive takeaway. I think of this conversation is how, and it's like our whole society, our whole world is just upside down in mm -hmm. leading with the, with the Avi scale first, instead of the information. It's like, start with the information and the education, like educate people to be able to make their own decisions. And then they realize, oh, my risk is low, medium, high mm -hmm. based on me and what I'm doing and what I know and what I have at my disposal. Yeah. So it's pretty, that's a, that was a massive like takeaway for me right now because that almost that almost like blew my mind because that's <laughs> well, I definitely learned that I don't think I'm ever going to want to retire because I remember going through the pandemic and just being like yeah we could totally close down we could just shut it all down it's probably the safer bet and I'm like I actually really want to do this like I really want to work through it's going to be hard but I want to be open I want to guide I want to work with my friends I want to grow things so it's just kind of like let's just give it a go <laughs> yeah well and you yeah. know what else the guides want that Mm -hmm. like your employees your staff your team want that the community wanted that like people wouldn't have if they didn't want it they wouldn't have come like it would have been mm -hmm. like oh kapow's open for camps and looks like nobody came like yeah that didn't happen it was something that, that was there for sure which I, I would actually commend you guys for pushing forward because it's something people needed mm -hmm. you know and to keep a sense of normalcy in an environment that they felt comfortable or safe or and could continue living their lives mm -hmm. instead of just shutting it all down you know and I don't know if that's a BC like west coast mentality thing or versus east coast because we were in the east coast a bit during the pandemic and locked up yeah so much lockdown but I just found we fared a little bit better I would say as generally on a mental health perspective because we push forward through some things that some people might say and that's their opinion that we shouldn't mm -hmm. have but no, not gonna we're all good. But that's what I mean. I certainly believe through the pandemic, it's like you can manage your own level of risk. I think you should be able to. Like, I think even as staff, it's like if you don't want to come to work, that's totally fine. Like, you know the same information that what we do. We can't guarantee, can't guarantee a hundred percent um say success, but we can't guarantee like no transmission. We don't know this environment, you know, as much as we do. So based on the information, you know, do you feel comfortable coming to work? And it's kind of the same with the clients. It's just like, and that the hardest thing for me managing clients was like, they would hold on to their spot until like the night before. And we get a call, phone call being like, you guys shouldn't be open. Do you realize there's this, this, and this? I'm like, okay, I thought we've communicated through this, but you canceling last second makes this difficult. Cause it's like, 
the hard part with the, with the blanket chalet is like everything is helicoptered up there. So I always interpret like we get deposits early. It's like you committing, putting your money down means that you're going to show up. So therefore we're going to set up those systems. And um, mm -hmm. I think that's uh, it's a big thing I learned in business was like, you know, what is the core part of our financial business? Um, and, you know, where can we save money? How many, you know, people is our minimum? And so we, I mean, we ran the last two years just on the minimum, but that was been the, the biggest success. It's just, okay, so if that's the minimum, then we can grow from there. And uh, it's been great on the financial side of, of learning. Yeah, learning learning through it all. Yeah, so did it? Did you end up kind of like really taking a hard look at at your books and at your service mm -hmm. and what, what you were charging and okay, what is the baseline really figuring out what that baseline was that the first time oh, yeah. you were able to sit back and do that for the company? It was like forced, right? I think before yeah. it was always like, this is a really fun thing to do. Let's just yeah. like keep growing because this is fun and that's fun. And then we ended up just throwing certain camps out um, mm -hmm. uh, because it's like, <laughs> we can't like, we can't do a camp and lose money. <laughs> that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So yeah. If that set our foundation and then I'm excited to grow in the future, but it's been, it's been great to see, um, you know, where our core business model is and grow from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the biggest, what is to summarize the core for you guys? Like what's your, your number one? You know what the, the best way to summarize that is like, in general, it's kind of so obvious to say it, but it's any camp that it's like back to back to back, right? Like there's like certain setup costs. So we were doing camps where we'd like do a tent-based camp where we'd fly everything out for like three or four different trips or we'd like um we had trips in japan we had trips in the rockies so it's like the cost of setting things up is so much so i mean it's obvious but the core business model is very much blanket glacier chalet to be doing like 43 camps in a row at a location um town based is great because we can just like guides already live here like most of our staff either own a place or they're already living here and so that cost of like we don't have to pay for a guide to travel somewhere or or they already have a season's pass, the ski hill, those kinds of things. So what we're able to do is like with the, you know, turnover with the local um, location, we can keep our prices at a more of approachable, um, there's like good value to our price, price tags, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, know how to grow from there. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't have this huge upfront and yeah. setup cost. That's also, I used to do, I ran in a snowboard events company. Yeah, and it was like one-off event, one-off event, one-off totally. event. So if the weather was bad that week, yeah, it's like, well, we just plan for six months. Yeah, we'll run it, but it's yeah, like what do you do? Whereas the that I can definitely appreciate that that initial setup. It's like once it's there, it's set up, it's established. And would you mm -hmm. say that works too? Whether it's the chalet or even just like a big tent tent camp somewhere in the backcountry, and you can just it's already done. It's set up. The food's in. You can maybe bring in more supplies resources as you need but it's there it's ready to go and you can just run back to back yeah i think yeah also location wise like name the business canadian powder guides but ultimately i'm realizing like revelstoke is the base right this is where the staff is this is where we have all our systems set up um i think that's the big thing learning about doing a camp in japan it's like clients would look at the price tag and be like, well, a four day camp in Japan is like twice as much as something in Revelstoke. So I learned that like, instead of charging clients to get the guide over and the food over for the guides, um, that it's like, people are already coming from all over the world to Revelstoke. Why do we need to be a Revelstoke company that goes everywhere in the world? <laughs> it's yeah. like, cause it's like, yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> we are Revelstoke based. <laughs> yeah. So you cut that. You're like, all right, we don't need mm -hmm. to go. It's fun. 
and it's yeah. cool, but it's yeah, probably not cost effective. <laughs> totally. In terms of business, it's a fun thing to do. And I think, you know, we've supported other guides that that go out and do that, but it's like, yeah, our business model is here. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Um, and then what's the future dream for the business? <laughs> is that, that sound is just like, that's, that's the future. <laughs> that's the future. It's a great segue into <laughs> normalizing average podcast. The future for the business is, is, you know, continued trips out of Revelstoke. So I think a big thing for me, um, being a Grom, being really hungry for uh, backcountry education, backcountry mentorship was, uh, was just like, I think we need to set those systems up. Um, so I'd love to develop more of a youth program based at a town off the ski hill, um, using the ski hill is, I think it's just such a great platform for these, these educational trips. Yeah. And so, yeah, that would be the big, big move forward. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen this winter, but, uh, we'll build it this winter, you know, looking for the next winter. And I've always thought like, if you're a kid growing up in Revelstoke, um, I have such high expectations for them. Like everyone in the world is coming here. And it's like, my expectations for those kids is like, you're going to have your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> so if that's what my expectations are, I'm going to be influential in making sure that they do. Um, it's actually been so cool to see some of the kids that we've, we've helped mentor. Like there's a lot of them come from the Rockies, actually ended up moving here. Some of these kids have turned into the biggest names in skiing. Like I think about Cole from Canmore. He met, came out of camp, met Sammy Carlson, ended up getting in on this like Quicksilver event that was in Revelstoke won this Quicksilver event. I think he won $30,000. And then he's just been like, it's one of the biggest names in the matchstick films now. Yeah. Um, and just to see that, like, we were there instrumental in like those, you know, and like any success, there's like been that like TSN turning point. Yeah. And so it's been kind of cool to like help steer that rudder of his, of his career. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot more out there. I think a lot of the pro skiers in town want to help out with that mentorship. So that's kind of the big thing. And that's going to be mostly funded. We started, Rubens and I started the Kapow Fund years ago. Um, and so we've actually been collecting money for the last few years, whether it's through um, movie premieres. I know Pulse Revelstoke has, has yeah. helped with promoting that. Um, some of our clients have also just donated to it. So we're going to try to make it as approachable financially for, for everyone. But it's definitely like this youth focus. Um, I think there's tons of potential. Um, oh, it'd be kind of like a free ride camp for backcountry skiing, whether it's like, you know, you could sign up for the year we do every second weekend, haven't figured out those exact details, but, um, that's going to be really fun to create. And that's um, not really necessarily business, but that's where I pulled my heartstrings. So I'm going to put some energy into that. Yeah. Well, and that's a, that's a big, like a huge evolutionary piece for a business owner is getting to the point where it actually comes like kind of full circle and then you really are able to give back because you have yeah. built this profitable engine that can sustain itself. It's not just like constantly draining and struggling and trying to stay alive. It's like, nope, we're good. Kapow's good. It's a nice humming, beautiful backcountry machine. And then mm -hmm. that, the off, like, kind of like the offshoot from that can be giving back even more from the community, even though I know you guys give back so much. But uh, that's really cool. And it makes me really excited as a parent because Izzy's, yeah, she's too, she skied 43 days this year up at RMR. What? So like, <laughs> 43 days. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. And when you talk about expectations, I'm like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. I think most of Whoa. the parents, if you're in, if you're into skiing and into snowboarding, 
uh, here, that's the expectation. And it's so close in the ski hill to give them some props too. Oh yeah. It's free. It's free for, she's, it's like, aside from like, if you're getting a family pass, a pass for yourself anyway, it's the cheapest activity you could take your child on, especially because you're in a town where the gear is readily available. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, she loved it. We did Stoke, um, stellar chair laps all season. <laughs> I bet that's more days than some people on their like free ride team. <laughs> that's so, yeah. It, maybe Izzy's going to be next on the free ride team. That's pretty cool. Yeah. She doesn't have a job, so it helps. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, in some ways, if you think about business, someone's made fun of me this before, but doing all these camps for youth are like little seeds, you know, like I'm just going to plant those seeds. You're going to water them correctly because those are going to be the future guests. <laughs> so yeah. we're just like, we're just molding the next round of Kapow yeah. clients. So future like, guests, future guides, future chefs, yeah. <laughs> future like teachers. Backcountry yeah. education uh, drug dealer is where it's like, first one's free. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gateway. Yeah. It's the gateway. <laughs> we'll get you. <laughs> what a beautiful thing. Um, okay, well, let's, uh, I'm going to wrap up with our closing question mm -hmm. and then we'll get some details about how people can find you. But, uh, closing question is what is the most average thing about Marty Schaefer? <laughs> I, think, yeah. I, I just like, I was thinking through this and it's just like people that know me well know how much I sleep. And it's like, if I don't get enough sleep, I am the grumpiest person. Like I certainly have this reputation yeah. of being stoked all the time and all this, but like, if I don't get my sleep, I am just so grumpy. So I am so much more grumpier than, um, <laughs> it comes across, but I think, I think that's the averaging quality is, uh, yeah, I am. I need my sleep. That's perfect. I can't even imagine you grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably be like you're grumpy would be like an average person stoked. <laughs> Could, yeah, you go ahead and ask staff and uh, close the island. It's yeah, definitely, yeah. Oh, no. yeah. I think I'm I'm stoked because I enjoy uh, my my occupation. I think like I I would never change that, and I think that's what I've worked really hard to get there. And I think that's why I'm so stoked all the time. Is it's like I really truly enjoy what I'm doing, but it's been the hard work that I've put in to to get there. Bring I have a second stuff. last question that just came up. Then, did you ever think about doing anything else, like in your? I you know I. I thought I was going to be a pro mountain biker in high school. So I wasn't big into skiing as much as I am now. Um, I almost like, I think my subconscious always knew this is what I wanted to be. And I was like, for a while there, I was trying not to let myself fully go like ski tour guide or educational um, inspired guide. I like started out out of high school uh, ski patrolling. So mm -hmm. throwing bombs, I thought was so cool. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm always going to keep ski touring as my passion. Avalanche control is where I'm going to focus. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, you know what? I actually really like people. So I got into heli skiing in a big, big way. I was like, okay, heli skiing is where it's going to be work. And I'm going to separate work from my passion, which is ski touring. Yeah. And then eventually after getting my full cert uh, as a ski guide, I'm just like, you know what? Let's just embrace that. I love people. I love backcountry ski touring. And uh, I am not, yeah, I'm fully allowing myself to <laughs> combine my passion, which is working hard and ski touring and hanging out with people. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and you've had so much success in getting it to a point where it doesn't, your business isn't like completely eating you alive. Mm -hmm. Some people, if they can't make it through those breakthrough points of developing the team, yeah, it can ruin it big time. It's so true. Yeah. That's uh, and that's a really hard thing. It's I've even talked to a few new guide business owners. It's just like, it's a hard, like to, there's like you as a guide and then taking that big step moving forward. But um, 
really describe that that well, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where can people find you, find out about Kapow, um, and also importantly, donate to the Kapow Fund? Well. Oh, I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. I think I, I decided to create a company that was really easy to remember. So it's kapow.ca, but keep in mind, kapow is not spelled with a K. So it's C-A-P-O-W.ca. Um, for those of you listening in Revelstoke, we've got a ton of events coming on this winter. So the Canucks split fast early January. We're going to throw a big party uh, in town, just like approachable is the big word. So we've got a bunch of raffles. I think we're giving out we have actually a guiding kit that we developed through this company called True Gear. So we'll be, you know, raffling off uh, our guiding uniform. It's a different color. Um, we're going to be doing a bunch of things with the with youth. Um, and then we also have camps going out pretty much every weekend. So that's not a Kapow Fun thing. The whole idea with that, we call it the weekenders. Um, you know, your ski touring partner just bailed on you. You wanted to go to Rogers Pass. So we've got guides going out every weekend with, you know, about three different uh um, three different groups, but we've kind of got the vibe on there. So you can go like more advanced or more beginner, mm -hmm. but, uh, everything is kapow.ca follow along on our Instagram. We have a ton of fun with it. It's kapow guiding. There's also blanket glacier chalet. And then my personal account at Marty Schaefer, which is a lot of spelling mistakes and play on words. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And yeah, so the fund will be on online. We can access it through there. Yeah. It's through the website. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Marty, thank you so much. This has this been... Is, this is great, Eve. I, I love just being in town for the last, you know, over a decade, just to seeing what Rebel Soak's done, the businesses that have grown and the community we're building here. Um, it's just like, love where it's at. I'm just like, take moments, just like stop and just see everything that's happened, what you and Scott have created, um, businesses that were started 10 years ago. It's just like, It'll be exciting when we retire, if we ever retire, look back and see what the community we've built. And I'm honored to be a part of it. Be wild. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored to have you. All Thanks, right. Eve. See you around town. Bye, Marty.